0: Good morning, church. Good morning. How y'all doing? Y'all doing good? Yeah. Good. Thank you so much for being here. If you're online, thanks for tuning in online. I hope if you're online, you had communion at home, whether it's Cheerios and milk, <laughs> just something, right? that will work, but uh, glad you were here. We are going to finish up the series called The Power of power of, and uh, so thankful as we were gone uh, that we had uh, Scott and Pastor Chase, Pastor yeah. Stevie, fill in. isn't there a great preaching staff we got? Uh, I watched Scott tear it up from the Shields parking lot in Reno, Nevada, <laughs> all right? We had the memorial sort of Saturday night, and, and we wanted to go shopping, and uh, actually I wanted to go looking. When I, I don't actually shop, I hunt. Like, I know what I want, I go, I kill it, and I, I drag it out of the store. Uh, my, my lovely, beautiful wife is a little more picky about what she hunts for, <laughs> And if you saw my Facebook, you saw the picture of her in the section that had all the water to go cups. She was lost in joy. And I just enjoyed watching her just wander around. Uh, and uh, anybody else have a whole drawer full of? Because I'm on thin ice right now, just so y'all know, uh, but I'm vulnerable, all right. but it was a lot of fun. But I'm going to talk to you again about the power of persistence, and this is the last installment of the series. Next week, we are starting a new series called Battlegrounds. I'm really excited about it because we are going to deal with things that, that you as a Christian, as a human, deal with, like some of the main things that we deal with. Uh, so if there's something that you want us to preach on, uh, send us a discreet text message um, that... that You know your spouse needs to change about how they live, um, and we will make sure we get that put into the messages. Uh, But I want to let you out a little bit early today, if that's okay with you. So, do you mind if I teach today? I just I'm just kind of in the mood to teach. We're just teaching, uh, hopefully get out of here, get you some food. I'm gonna tell you a little story uh, about a bulldog. So this family moves to this neighborhood, kind of a rough neighborhood. And as they're moving in, they, they, their little bulldog decides that he wants to go scan the territory. This is new to him. So he just goes bulldogging down the sidewalk and he comes next to this kind of old you know, chain link fence and there's two Dobermans that are sitting on the porch. And when these Dobermans see him, they come just flying out across the dirt yard and they're just barking. And the bulldog notices a little opening. Too big for the Dobermans, but small enough for him. And he crawls under the the, the chain link fence into the yard. And the Dobermans just attack him. And he's biting back. And he gets a few licks in. Uh, They're bleeding a little bit. But he is just tore up. Finally, he's had enough. He crawls back under the fence. And he goes limping home. And the Dobermans go back to their porch. The next day, Bulldog goes marching down, crawls under the cyclone fence. Again, the Dobermans come attacking. There's fur flying, blood going everywhere. Finally, he has enough and he crawls back under the fence and he goes home. This happens the third day and the fourth day and the fifth day. And on the sixth day, a bulldog is limping down and he crawls under the fence and the Dobermans just stay on their porch because they've had enough. They know they can beat him. They're tired of fighting. The bulldog looks around, crawls back under the fence and goes strutting down the sidewalk. He has claimed his territory <laughs> And today you may feel like the Doberman. You're just tired of fighting. You're like, I know I can beat this. I just don't want to fight him or it's just not worth it. And you might be like the bulldog who we're going to talk about today in, in greater detail that we are tenacity, we're tenacious, like we know what we want, we want. We want to win and it's going to cost us, but we're going to do what it takes to get there. So, are you the bulldog or are you the doorbell? And This is the power of persistence. Have you ever been in the checkout line at the store and you've heard that kid? <laughs> I mean, you heard, not just seen him. You heard that kid? Because the people that run the stores know where to put the candy they know that it's a very strategic place because they know the nature of children. They know the persistence that a kid will go, gimme, give gimme, give I want that, I want that, I want that. And I have seen numerous times parents give in to the child that has this persistence of what they want. Do you have a child like that? If so, do not raise your hand because somebody will probably judge you. Uh, but, but all of us probably have those kids. We had a child that was kind of like that. And I'm not going to tell you which of the three it was. But there was moments that, that they would, I want it, I want it, I want it. I want it. And Chris was like, what do I do? Well, we believe in spanking our children. Okay? The Bible says to do it. If you don't believe me, go to Proverbs. It talks about, matter of fact, it says if you don't spank your child, you hate your child. If you spank your child, you love your child. That's right. Come on. I was very loved as a child. All right? I felt very loved. And I'm so thankful that, that spanking worked for me. All right? And so we used a wooden spoon. So I told Chris, take the wooden spoon and put it in your purse. And when you go to the store, if the kids act, this is true, you just show them, just bring that little bad boy out and show them, right? And then go, go ahead, make my day. <laughs> like, go ahead, right? Uh, and, and, and it worked, right? And the kids are like, oh, because they knew it was serious, right? The wooden spoon was a serious thing. If you don't have a wooden spoon, go to the store and let your child pick out which one. Yeah, I'm going to whoop you with this. Which one do you want? They'll get the little tiny one, all right? Um, I'm more into like the bigger kind that you can get them from a long distance as they're running away. But here's what I want to tell you about. That's, that's child rearing uh, 101. on one Let me tell you about a strong-willed child. I was a strong-willed child. A strong-willed child needs to be guided because you cannot contain them. Because you can't contain them, you have to guide them. Who has a strong willed child? Just raise your hand. If you've got a strong willed child, they could be 50 years old and they're still strong willed, okay? I'm still a 50 year old or 51 year old strong willed child. Amen. But I like to say that God made me that way. I like to say that God wants strong willed children. God wants you as a son or a daughter to be strong willed. He wants you to, to be determined that you're going to win whatever battle it is that you're facing. God wants strong-willed children. He really does. He wants us to be tenacious in a world that says, quit loving Jesus. Don't be so vocal about it to stand up and say, no, I will be vocal about it. I will be vocal in my faith. I will be vocal in my walk with God. God wants strong-willed kids to say no to peer pressure, to say no to the things that this world is trying to get you to be okay with. All right? You got to be strong-willed in the right way. Peter was like this. If you know who Peter was in the Bible, Jesus had to deal with this guy who had a lot of passion, but he didn't have it all together. Like his passion had to be guided and, and his passion got him into trouble sometimes. But Jesus could do something with passion if we're willing to allow him to do something with us. So Jesus is teaching his disciples to be persistent in their relationship with God, especially in their prayer life. We're going to do two parables today. Uh, we're going to go to the book of Luke first. Uh, we're going to go to Matthew 1st uh, to Matthew later. Jesus um, parables, this terrible parable. It's not, this is terrible. I don't, uh, it's been three weeks, all right? I did a couple Wednesdays, but that was just warm up for Sunday morning. All right. And Dr. Luke uh, has something to say to us about not giving up. All right? Now, a parable is a made-up story. So whenever you read the, the, the words in red, and when Jesus says, there was a man, or there was a widow, or there was a rich man, or there was this, it's a parable. It's a story that he is creating to prove a point. But any story that Jesus tells has a name in it. Like the rich man and Lazarus, he named that. I believe really happened when he names somebody. um, If you haven't read that story, where you know the rich man and Lazarus, Lazarus is a beggar, this rich, they both die. Rich man goes to hell, Lazarus goes to heaven, and they can actually communicate. It's just it's kind of a crazy story about how hot hell really is. Okay, so that was a story, but this is a parable. and Here's how Jesus opens it up. Uh, Again, Doctor Luke uh, is telling this. He says, "Then Jesus, Luke is writing this down. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable." to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, this is Jesus speaking, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't care about God, or I'm sorry, don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. <laughs> now, this, I think most of your children have read this verse and they used it against you. Mom, <laughs> mom, 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 mom. Stop. And they, can, they know how to be persistent, right? So you have to parent that. And then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Guys, this is Jesus, okay? This is God in the flesh saying, don't give up. Be persistent in your prayers. Don't just pray one prayer and, and, and say, "Well, God, you know, God heard me. No, he is, he is saying, Jesus, the one that answers prayers, is saying, be persistent. Be persistent. Keep, keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. He says, w- will God bring, will he bring justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus is concerned that, that most of us, if, if, if not all of us, struggle at times believing that God really wants to answer our prayer. Now, it's got to fall into his will. God doesn't answer every prayer you ask, because some of our prayers are pretty crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, some of our prayers, it's like God's like, ah, this is all for you. But if it's a legit thing that God wants to see happen, he is saying here, be persistent, be consistent. A couple questions I want to ask you. Something I want, to, I want you to take home, because I don't want you just to hear this today and go home and go, that was a nice message. I want, I want you to be able to apply it to your life. So I think I ask questions to get you thinking. But when did you give up when you should have kept going? I want you to think about that for a moment. When did you give up when you should have kept going? When was it that you just decided to stay on the porch and not fight the bulldog, even in your own territory, even within your own fence? That you were saying, you know, I am so tired of fighting, I'm so tired of battling, I know I should, I, I know I should defend my territory, I know, but I'm just tired. I just don't want to fight anymore, I just, I just want to give up. When's the last time that you did that? Okay, what did you, well, let me pause there, how y'all doing on your New Year's resolutions? Need I say more? Alright, some of y'all doing alright? Okay, and now that, it's a little deeper quote, what did you give up on? Not just when, but what, what did you give up on when you should have kept pursuing it? Maybe it's a college degree. Maybe it's a high school GED. Maybe it's something. What is it that you, that you gave up on, and you're like, I wish I would keep, and, and then the third question would be, is it still possible to attain obtain what it is that, that, you've been, that you need to be pursuing? What is it? Those are important questions for us to get to as we get further into this thing. I tell you, for me, I don't wanna live in the land of missed opportunities. I don't want to live in the land of regret. I don't want to live in a place to say, man, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done this. On our trip back, uh, my wife's a photographer. You didn't know that. And we're, we're bombing through. When I were, used the word bombing, we were, we were driving at a speed that was not ticketable. I do words for a living. So you see how I painted that? Uh, we, we were just over the limit, but the suggestion, it's a suggestion, right, um, we were doing all right, and we passed, uh, we went through this little tiny, it wasn't even a town, um, in the middle of Oregon, and there was this, um, actually, it was Nevada, either way, there was this antelope, this big old antelope, bull, a buck antelope, just on the side of the road, and so we're, we drive by, I was like, well, that's cool, and, and I came, and I, I said, do you want to stop and take a picture of it, and she said, sure, so we stopped, and we turned around, and she took this really cool picture of Santa Claus. so she'll post it, all right? And, and I thought, I could have kept driving. I was kind of in a hurry to get home, but I thought, here's an opportunity of something you don't see very often, all right? And so she got this really cool picture of, of the, the buck and its dough. Uh, there are times in life that we're so in a hurry to get to our destination that we fail to enjoy the moment. We fail to say, you know what? Why not stop? Why not just take our time? Why not just stop and do something you enjoy doing? Uh, because we're, it seems like we're all in a hurry, all right? So New Year's resolutions for me particularly, I don't, I, don't. I just wrote that I don't, I don't do New Year's resolutions, all right? What I personally do is say, okay, I need to change, I need to change now, and, and like a dirty diaper, you don't wait until you feel like it. You don't wait until it's like, oh, I just, you know, I just didn't get around to it, right? There was a husband who volunteered to watch the kid for the day, and the wife gets home, and the kid's just stinky, and she's like, how long has he been, I don't know, a couple hours, And she's like, well, why didn't you change him? And he's like, "Uh, there was no changing table. She's like, that's not a good excuse. He's like, well, I didn't like the brand of wipes. That's a bad excuse. Well, the game was on. All right? All bad excuses. Now, that's a made-up story. If it happened in your life, that was prophetic, and shame on you um, for not changing the kid. When do we change diapers? We change diapers when they need to be changed, right? If... If, if I wait until I feel like it, it's, it's too late. And one of the biggest things we fight is this is managing our feelings because we often let our feelings dictate our direction. And we'll talk more about that in our upcoming series. So my encouragement to you is try not to let your feelings dictate your direction. Now, originally I wrote, I wrote don't let your feelings. And I thought that's impossible to ask my church family to not do that because I myself am guilty of it all the time. All right, so, so try not to let your feelings dictate your direction. Amen. Now, my grandson, Kaysen, he's probably watching online today from Florida. Um, he had a doozy when I was watching him when they were here. Um, I only had to change one poopy diaper the whole time, and this was like this two days before he left. So he's, I think he was saving it for a couple days for Papa. And, um, and so Travis and I were home, and we were watching Kaysen, and, and you know those babies, they, they stop doing what they're doing and they just get that look? like that focused concentration, and we're like, oh, no, and then the aroma, and I say aroma lightly, but it was the worst in my history that I can remember, like I've been a janitor at places, and I do not remember a stench as bad as this little boy was producing, and I was like, oh, 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 man, I'm like, I'm gonna let him finish, right, because, some of us have jumped the gun before, and they didn't, and so we just let him finish, and then he gets up, and starts crawling away, and travel goes, oh, Dad, it's up his back, and I was like, no. You know, I, in those moments, you don't have to preach abstinence. That's, that's, like, that's like birth control right there, man. It's like, no, I ain't touching no woman, okay, um, and, and so... I was like, oh, no, and, and it was just, it was, it was up his back, and he's crawling away, and, and so we, I get him, and Chris and I, we've raised three kids, and uh, they all love Jesus, and thankful they're adults, you know, productive in the world, uh, but we used to judge the diaper by how many wipes you used, I don't know if anybody did that, it was like, oh, well, that's like a three-wiper, and it was like, oh, well, like, it was a five-wiper, like, it's a seven-wiper, babe, it was, it was like, you know, call EPA, because this is bad, I mean, seven, this was a no-wiper, This was a, uh huh. It was like, okay, washroom sink, and we're holding them in stitch. And Travis, no kidding, my son, Hunter starts dry heaving. Like, (laughs) he's like, literally, he's dry heaving. And I'm like, oh, dude, you're right. And we're just like, and the fans on, and we're just putting cases, just like, what? You know? Um, And so we pulled the diaper, we trash bag, and and we're like, hosing him off. I mean, it's just like, uh, it's horrible. So we didn't wait till mom got home. We, we, we needed to change now. I, I didn't wait for my feelings to get in the right mode because they will never be in the right mode to change that kind of nasty stuff, all right? But a lot of times, guys, in our lives, the things that need to be changed the most, we don't want to deal with. It's like the thing I need to do the most is the thing I want to do the least. And so today in our lives, we are looking through this to say, okay, are you putting things off that need to be changed just because you don't feel like it? And again, we cannot let our feelings dictate our direction because we will always go in the wrong way. So humans have a habit of giving up on the wrong things. Okay, look at our health, for instance. We pursue things that are unhealthy for us and we give up on things that are good for us. Why are we like that? Most of us are like that, right? It's way easier to not exercise than it is to exercise. But we know that exercise is good for us and we know that no exercise is really not that good for us. Why is it that it's way easier to eat unhealthy food than it is to eat healthy food? I will tell you why, because health, healthy food doesn't taste near as good as unhealthy food. And when you are saved and you are going to heaven, you eat whatever you doggone want to eat because I'm going <laughs> to heaven anyway. And if I get there sooner, so be it. I got life insurance, you'll be fine. We got a pre- great preaching staff here. I will tell you this. If I pass, please do not pray for resurrection. I'm not going to get to heaven and go, you know, I kind of liked it down there better. Um, That's not the way it's going to be, okay? That's my perspective. Heaven's going to be great. Think about marriage, okay? Well, maintaining, I've heard this. Maintaining a marriage is just too hard, as if living in a hard marriage isn't, right? It's like, but marriage has to be maintained. It's like your car. It's got to be maintained to run right. It's way easier to focus on what the other person isn't doing right than it is to look at what I need to work on. Isn't it? It's interesting how we let others' actions or inaction dictate our behaviors and attitudes, okay? Or whether we give up on what we should be pursuing. Okay? There's a couple things that I want you to remember me by. And I'm not planning on going to heaven soon, just so you know. But if I do, there's some things that I want you to go, yeah, I remember Pastor Zan used to pull out the what and the how. Like, there's a few things that I just want to stick with you, all right? What do I want life to look like and? Okay? If you're brand new, you know they've been sitting under this teaching for a while. How am I going to get there? The what's easy. Okay, I want a great marriage. Really? How? She needs to change. Um, That's how. Okay? No, that's not how it works, right? He needs to change. No, the what is a great marriage. The how is it's a team thing. It's a both and. We got to work on it together. And if they're not willing to work on it, I at least need to work on myself and becoming a better spouse, okay? Because that's what God expects of us. What do I want life to look like? How am I going to get there? The how is the bulldog. The how was the bulldog? What did the bulldog want? He wanted dominance on his block, okay? How did he get there? He had to fight his way through it. He had to do some things to establish that dominance. Now, had he stayed on the other side of the chain link fence, he wouldn't have established dominance with the two Dobermans. The thing keeping the Dobermans coming was the fence. The fence wouldn't change anything. Like I've said before, any man can be faithful to his wife when he's in solitary confinement. It doesn't mean you're faithful, okay? Most of us just lack opportunity. It's when we say no when the opportunity comes that proves whether we are faithful or not. So what do I want in life? How am I going to get there? That, I believe, is a daily question that you need to ask as a person. Like, what do I want life to look like? How am I going to get there, all right? Every day, make a list, okay? What's important to you? What are your priorities, okay? I'm, how many list persons are there? There's list person, okay? It's like five of us in here. The rest of you really need to work on some things. Um, all right. I will tell you this. List people are good time managers. Okay? List people are good time managers. And Kristen, is she up on her in her office? I love it. She's got great writing. She has her whole, she's got her whole five years planned out, actually. Um, but I love the list. Why? Because of the person who says, this is what I want, and this is how I'm going to get there, and who's going to help me. Okay? It, it helps you prioritize. So if you don't prioritize, most of the time you will agonize. Now, Matthew goes to another story. I'm going to read the story about these two blind guys, um, and I love this story because these guys are tenacious. Matthew chapter 20, 29 through 34. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, once you picture this, Jesus is walking down the road, Jericho, you're, they're coming down here, a large crowd following him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. That's the only way they could live. They would sit there and they would beg. They couldn't see. Somebody would lead them to the spot. They would have their spot, and they would just beg. They would beg, and they're sitting there, and all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking, and, they, and they hear that Jesus is going by, and they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. They're just kind of looking in the general direction of where Jesus might be. Have, have mercy on us. And the crowd that was with Jesus rebuked them, and he told them, they told them, be quiet. And they're like, shut up. These guys so Jesus, are, Jesus, Son of David, shut up, shut up, just shut up. And you know what happened? It says, the more they were told to be quiet, basically, the louder they shouted. It's like that kid in the store. No, you can't have that. But I want it! But you can't. But I want it! Right? Now, that's a terrible model, but you understand the principle, okay? And and they're they're yelling all the loud. The crowd was rebuking them, telling them to be quiet. And they shout all the loud. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Verse 32 is beautiful because it starts with it. It says, Jesus stopped. Jesus is walking along, and and they're yelling, and they're yelling, and Jesus, I think, hears them, and they're yelling louder, and it says, Jesus stopped. Have you ever stopped Jesus by your tenacious tenacious attitude of, God, I need you to do a miracle in my life. God, I I need you so much. I need you right now. Where you just get on your knees and you pray and your heart is being poured out because of what you're facing. Did Jesus ever stop and go, now that's a person that's serious about following me. Have you been tenacious in your worship where you come in and you're going through stuff in life and you're just like, God, I just need you. I just need you. Like I said, us Pentecostals, we have, this is antennas. Remember the old rabbit ears? Like we, we feel like we're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's right there, right there. Yeah, I'm a hand raiser, I'm a hand raiser, and it's like you got the antennas up, all right, and some people, you're like UHF, you're kind of like this, but then you got the VHF, right, and you got the VHF, and, and, and we raise our hands, right, number one, surrender, somebody points a gun at you, what typically, I don't know if you've had this happen, but normally, people raise their hands up, and what is that, you raise your hands in what, in surrender, it doesn't matter what you feel like, or it shouldn't matter what you feel like. If you come to church saying, you know what? If God's doing great things, then I'm going to worship. But if he's not, I'm just going to do this. Now, I think we stop the heart of God by saying, God, my life is a disaster. I need you more than ever. I need you. Because it's easy to praise God when things are good. When your team wins, which I don't know what that's like because I'm a Giants fan, uh, but Scott is a Dodgers fan. When his team wins, his hands go up all the time. When my hands go up with the Giants, it's... It's frustration. So this is not I don't I don't think we do this to God and He I think your hands have to be faced out in order for it to be surrender. Just a thought. I don't know. There's no biblical proof, but uh you got that right. You learned enough, you can go home now. Go eat hot, All right. But what do they do? Jesus stopped and, and he called to them. Okay, I can imagine they were probably shocked. Like, he has this whole entourage, and like, shut up, shut up, shut up. And, and, and Jesus, and, and he, he called, he's like, hey, come here. And they're like, is this like Marco Polo? Because, Jesus, <laughs> you're going to have to say something, because we can't. Right. And, and maybe they're, they're, somebody's leading them, I don't know, the two guys are walking together, and Jesus asks them this question, deep question. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, Jesus knew exactly what they wanted. He's a healer, right? He's already healed blind eyes. He's raised it. He's done all this. He knows exactly what they want. And for some reason, he forces them to answer the question. And I think there's times that maybe we're afraid to answer the question. I think God says, what do you want? And we're like, oh, I just, Lord, I just don't I think God, God wants us to be confident. I think you can pray about dumb things like parking places. I pray about parking places all the time. Lord, just give that person the desire to move. Give that person the desire... Just to, to just to give it and, and I, I got to share a story I didn't share Wednesday night, so uh, most of you know I am, I am tested by traffic, all right, and we left CUna and we went to this place called California. It has a lot of traffic, and it was in the trucky areas where the memorial service was at, and I get a little bit intense when I drive into those kinds of places. Uh, my hands get a little tighter on the steering wheel, I get a little more uptight and and i don't like People that don't care about other people driving. I told you Wednesday night about the lady that was behind me tailgating me, and I couldn't pull over. I was going through Reno, and I looked in my rear-view mirror going, man, this lady is on my tail. And then I look on the side mirror, rear-view mirror, I see this. She's going. (laughs) Like like she was an orchestra. And and I'm like, I'm I'm going two miles an hour over the speed limit. I got cruise control, and there's somebody beside me. I can't get over. I don't want to speed up. I definitely wanted to slow down because she was on my tail, and she's just like, ah! and, and, and so I finally get around the other car, and I'm like, lady, what do you want me to do? Like, I can't move. I can't do anything, and she's like, out of there. Well, there was another situation that I didn't tell you about Wednesday night, and that was, because uh, this one got me. We were stopping in Fernley at a gas station, truck stop, Tuesday morning, packed, People are, what, why is everybody getting gas at noon in Fernley, Nevada? And and so I'm waiting, and I'm looking, and if you're anything like me at the checkout line, you try to figure out which one's the, the, and, and the one that I pick always, the tape always runs out, or they're switching cashiers. I don't know why, so if I'm ever in line, don't get behind me. So anyway, I need to make this a fast story. And so, so we're waiting, and I'm looking, like, okay, I need to get fuel. I need to go. And, and so I get behind this little white SUV with these two college-age girls with bicycles on the back uh, with, with C plates. And white plates with red lettering, and it spells a particular word. Um, and and, and they're, they're getting fuel, and I'm behind them, and I'm looking. Everybody's waiting. There's cars stacked up, and they have their lunch out. No kidding, they got lettuce, and so they're vegans or something, and they're, they're, they're making these wraps or whatever, and I'm watching their gas pump, okay, and it's still pumping gas, and, and they're getting their lunch, and they're just kind of da 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 and I'm like, okay, okay, and then, and then it clicks. And I'm thinking when it clicks, they're going to go into action, they're going to you know, put their lunch away, and, and it clicks, and they're still doing their lunch thing. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm like the lady behind me going... No, I'm just sitting there going, and again, packed everywhere. And, and so finally, a person leaves at the very end, and they're just, duh, 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 duh. Um, and, and so I move, and I get fuel, and there's a guy that pulls in behind me, so I'm watching, and as soon as it clicks, boom, 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 I'm gone, I go park, and I go walk in the store to find my wife, and I look back, and white car, two chicks in a white car, it's still there, and nobody's home. They left their car parked at the gas pump, and they're nowhere to be found. I'm talking 15 minutes have gone by, and I'm like, what in the world? And so I go into the store, and they're in there shopping, and I'm like, if I'd have had my truck, I would have like just towed the thing, but I didn't. Um, and they're in there shopping, and so one of them's talking to my wife, and she sounds like a pretty nice gal. And then when I go to leave, she's behind me, and I open the door for her, because you have to bless those who curse you. Uh, I open the door. And she was super sweet. She's like, oh, thank you very much. And so I, I go to my car, and I'm shocked, and I'm like, oblivious. They're just oblivious. Like, they're oblivious. Like, I got gas here, so I should be able to park my car here, even though everybody else is trying to get fuel. Why do I tell you that story? I tell you this story because things happen in life that test our faith. Even things as dumb as getting fuel. It's like people aren't always going to be considerate. How does God expect me to react in those moments? Guys, this is real life stuff. Like, this is actually spiritual. How we react to what other people do, even when it annoys us, can reflect on our maturity. And we have to learn how to grow and go through those things, all right? So what did these people want? And maybe if I would have, actually, I didn't know what I was preaching on. Maybe I should have just laid on my horn and been in the tenacious, like the longer they waited, just like, eh, maybe they would have moved their car and I would have got fuel. I don't think that would have been a very Christ-like thing to do, all right? Sometimes the best thing you can do in a hard situation is just go to another gas pump, right? Because we allow other people's uh, actions oftentimes to get to us. So look back to these the blind guys. What did they want? How were they going to get it? And they could have reasoned this. Some people do this. Well, if Jesus wants us to, to be healed, he'll just know when he walks by. Like, we're not going to say a word, and we're just going to sit there, and we can hope that he notices us. But I think we all know if they would have just sat there, okay, I think Jesus wished would have kept going. So what do you need to pursue that maybe you have given up on? Now, here's their approach. I believe they had heard these stories. I believe they had shouted, like, nothing, they had nothing to lose and everything to gain. Because John Wooden said this, when opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. Yeah. They were prepared. They, they already had in their minds, when they heard that Jesus could heal, they already believed it. All they needed now was an opportunity. So here's our problem, and here's my prop for the day. Here's our problem. Our problem, and I mentioned this Wednesday night, is that we have a microwave attitude in a crockpot world, okay? We have an attitude of, well, God needs to make it happen fast. But let me show you something. When we think of crockpot, we don't think of fast. We don't think of tenacious we might think of persistent, maybe, but usually we think of fast and tenacious as in something that's going to happen in quick, but our life, most of the time, is like a crock pot. It's slow. It's a process, but here's, here's what we expect out of the crock pot. We expect microwave popcorn. Now, none of y'all expected microwave popcorn, right? But when we have this microwave attitude in a crock pot world. And some of you need to understand that right now, you are in the crock pot. God is doing something in your life, and you can't see it. You may not even feel it, but you have to trust that he is doing something in you. And here's, but here's what we want, right? Here's what we want. We want the microwave popcorn. We want a minute, 30 seconds. We want the popcorn. Matter of fact, my microwaves have a popcorn button. You just, dude, you don't know, have to punch the thing. You hit, hit popcorn on it, and then you have to do the wait sometimes. Sometimes it might know. But I hit popcorn and walk away. Some of y'all are so impatient, you can't even wait the minute 30 seconds for this thing to be done. You hit two seconds and you leave it for me to have to fix your problem, right? (laughs) Drives me crazy when there's time left on the clock. Now in sports, that's okay, but not in microwave world, right? If you stop it with two seconds just reset it for the next person. Because you're just as bad as a person who leaves one little wipe of toilet paper on the roll and go, well, there's still some left, (laughs) all right? You probably do that too at home. Um, all right, but we'll discuss it in our marriage life group. All right? We want fast, but we want it to taste like something that's been in a crock pot because crock pots typically make you a better cook than you are. This, Guys, this is life. This is life. This is the life of being tenacious, of sticking to it, of saying, God, I know you're doing something in me. I don't always feel it. I don't always see it. But I have to believe, because I'm your son, I'm your daughter, that you have my best interest in mind and that it's going to come about when you want it to come about. Lord, please forgive me for being microwave in a, in a crockpot world. God does things, and he has a time. Now, here's what I believe, that these two blind guys, I don't know how long they knew about Jesus, but in their crockpot of their mind, they knew that Jesus could provide the healing that they needed. And when that opportunity came, they just started screaming, and not one crowd person was going to shut them up. they a they, like, matter of fact, they tried to shut them up. They yelled all the louder. And I'll tell you this, I've even heard this recently from a lot of people when we went through COVID, uh, that, that we were closed for the six weeks, like when it first came out, and we, we did six weeks of online service, and after the six weeks, people were like, you know, can we just come back to church? Like, we want to have church. And, and, and we're like, yeah, we can do that, okay? We just, we're going to show some distance, we're going to move the chairs, and we did that, because I got tired of preaching to John Wayne I had a cardboard picture of John Wayne in here, and Hopalong Cassidy, and one other female. I don't remember what it was, but I had three cardboard cutouts, and uh, and, and they were a tough crowd. <laughs> Matter of fact, John Wayne had a gun pointing at me, so I usually <laughs> preached a little shorter than normal. But but here's what we're here. Can we have church? And so many churches shut down. I still hear people tell me that don't go to church here. We are so glad you stayed open. We're so glad you stayed up. And again, we were safe. We were like, if you sick, stay at home. But here, here's what I reasoned. Here was my excuse. I was like, well, as a church family, y'all give, so you pay to keep the lights on. You pay to keep the AC running and the heater running, and you pay to, you know, you pay pretty much for everything. So I don't have any place as your pastor to tell you you can't do something that you're paying for. That's a good excuse, huh? An excuse. All right. And that, and that was my reasoning. But I will tell you that our church actually doubled after COVID. Amen. There's still churches I talked to. They're still struggling. They're, they're nothing back. And again, we didn't take it flippantly. Okay. Nope. We were wise about it. We were smart about it. But here's what I looked at is if people want to come to church, you need to be able to come to church. Because we had governors. We had people saying, you can't do this. Like they were trying to stop you. Like even a governor in a particular southern state said, well, you can go to church, but you can't sing. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> All right. Now, okay, and yet you're talking, so what's the difference? But, um, but here, here's the thing, and I'm not making this about COVID. What I'm making it is is we, we, we respectfully took a stand for our faith and what we believe in. And again, if, if you struggle with it, stay home. You can watch online. We did both. But as a church, we weren't going to let the shouts of a government saying you can't keep us from our walk with God. Again, and I wasn't defiant. I wasn't, well, I might have been a little bit defiant. I am the strong-willed child, all right? And our thing was, the doors are open, and if you want to come, we're going to have a church. You can join us, all right? And, but I still get people that don't come to our church that say, we're so glad you stayed open. All right? So in our world, in our world, guys, it's, as, as we get closer to the end times, you are going to have a crowd telling you to shut up. You're going to have a government that is not pursuing godly things at this point telling you, Shut up. Don't be as vocal about your face. You're going to have groups that tell you you can't be vocal about your face. Now, now, I don't want you to be obnoxious. Nobody likes an obnoxious Christian. Our motive has to be right. Our motive has to be in the right place. I know, you ever, you ever know an obnoxious Christians and they're just annoying? Like, they don't win anybody to Jesus, but they're sure vocal. I don't think God's looking for that type of people. Will these two guys let what the crowd thinks keep them from being persistent? And I don't want us to be that way as a church family. And we're not. That's the good news is we're not. We will stand up for what we believe in. Persistence is not just a verbal asking, okay? There has to be action put to it, right? Some kids, they'll say, hey, I want a cell phone. What are they actually saying? I want you to give it to me. I want a cell phone. But you have a kid that says, mom, dad, I would really like a cell phone. And here's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to pay for it. I'm willing to get a job. I'm willing to mow lawns, whatever it is. That, now, I'm, can I get one? But I will pay for it. Now, that's the child that you're going to go, whoa, where'd you come from, right? Because that's not that we, we don't teach that much, do we? Okay, entitlement is kind of the order of the day. But if you have a kid that says, I'm going to do what it takes to get it, you're going to help them do that. Amen. And Jesus gave us salvation for free, but here's what it costs us. It costs you your life. We have to make changes. When we give our hearts to Jesus, we can't just live the way we did when we weren't serving God. There's got to be a change, right? So it's free, but there's also a cost of our life, and the cost is great. Persistence proves you're serious about what you are pursuing, okay? And I love how these guys just kept yelling, kept yelling, what did Jesus do? Jesus stopped. And what I've noticed through the Bible is that persistent faith is what gets, gets God's attention, persistent faith. Will you be persistent? Will you be willing to stay in the crockpot and say, God, just continue to do something in me? I don't see, but I believe. I believe that I'm your son and your daughter, and you're going to come through for me. Okay, why blend in when you can stand out, and these two guys definitely stood out. So Jesus, again, asked this question. He knows the answer to it, but they need to speak it out loud. I'm like, why why did you ask that, Jesus? He knew what they wanted. I think he asked it for them. And what did they say in, in front of everybody? They said, we want to see. But I'll tell you that before they had their physical sight, they had insight. Insight was, Jesus can do something about my situation. That was their insight, okay? They couldn't see, but they're like, Jesus can do something about my situation, And now they had a chance to act on it. They did, and they were rewarded. And again, this was an instant healing. And it doesn't always happen this way. Most of us would like fast, instant healings, okay? If you've been here for very long, you know my story. If you haven't been here, um, I've been healed three times, physically two. I had sore throats, and I had to preach. And I prayed, Jesus, I just need you, and boom, gone. But my biggest one, and, and the size of the miracle doesn't determine the size of God's power, But my biggest miracle, and many of you've heard this, if you've been here a while, was was my left leg as a kid was growing shorter or growing slower than my right leg. I had to wear these special boots on my or special boot on my left leg. And this evangelist came to our little church in our country town and he's like, Does anybody need healing? I'm like, I grew up on Sunday school, I know Jesus does miracles. And so I said, my leg's shorter. I don't know what the, if the evangelist went, oh, I was talking about like a cough or something, but, but he stuck me up in this little folding metal chair, and he put my both legs in his hand. The left one was shorter, and he just said, in Jesus' name, and my leg grew out. It just grew instantly, right? I, I, and I watched it, and it was like this miraculous thing. My dad took me home. He put me on the table that we have at our house now, and he measured my hips, to my, and everything was perfect. Now, my left leg continued to grow slower for some reason. I had some more surgery on my right leg to stop the growth. Um, when I was in Bible college, I thought because I was in Bible college, maybe God would honor the faith. And so I would lay there and I'd pray for like another, you know, six inches on both legs. Um, <laughs> like I really did that. I, I was kind of an immature Christian. Um, I should have prayed for like three because maybe six was too much. Uh, but uh, it wouldn't have been weird if God would have grown both legs like a whole foot, but I still had the same torso. <laughs> that'd, that'd have been weird. It God would have been like, well, you just pray for the legs, not the rest of the body. That would have been strange, but I never really thought about that till now. So so sometimes be careful, you know, the God doesn't always answer for But I saw that. I saw my leg grow out. I felt my leg grow out. My family saw it. The church family saw it. It was an absolute miracle. So when I pray for you, I know because I've seen it that God can do it. He can do it. It's whether he will or not, that's where we get kind of hung up. But... As a little boy, I was not afraid to say, you know what? I know this God of the Bible. I know the stories that I grew up in Sunday school, and I know Jesus can heal my leg. Amen. And this evangelist named John, I'll meet him in heaven. I don't know. I've never met him since, um, and I'm sure we'll have that little reunion. Okay, that his faith and my faith together created a miracle. Sometimes we take no for an answer too much. Okay, here's what I think. I think their healing started before they met Jesus. They they heard, and more importantly, they believed. And then they acted on what they heard. So their persistence was faith in action, right? Because faith without works is dead. I often ask this question, and let's wrap this up. This question I ask a lot because I think it's a a pertinent question is, what are you holding on to that you need to let go of? Because what you hold on to can hinder you. This works in every situation in our life, in our relationships, in our emotions. Am I holding on to something that I need to let go of? Because what I hold on to can hinder me holding on to what the crowd said, you are or you aren't. This might get a little personal for you, holding on to something your earthly father or a coach or your mom or somebody that has some authority over you said to you that, that created this fear in your life that you would never amount to anything, created something in you that say, I, I don't have what it takes to be what I want. There's a dream that I would love to pursue, but you know, I've had people tell me things that, that I, I can't do it. Are you holding on to those things? Are you holding on to doubt? So here's what I know. There's a God in heaven who is your real father, who absolutely believes you have what it takes. Why? Because he gave you what it takes. He gave it to you. And no earthly father, no earthly coach, no earthly influence can tell you you're not what God made you. All right? I can tell you all I want. This is not a change life cup. It's not a change life cup. But you know what the creator made it to be? It changed life cup. I, I, I'm the pastor of this church. I can see that's not a changed life cup. But every one of you are looking at going, it is too. It is too a changed life cup. Don't let the world tell you what you are or, are you, or you aren't. Let God's word tell you. And you're special to him. You, are, you, you mean something to God, the Father, okay? What about doubts? Are you holding on to doubts? I'm not sure I have what it takes. Are you holding on to fears? Here's one. Are you holding on to reality? These two guys were what? Physically? What were they? They were blind. That was their reality. But did they, did they hold on to that? Did they say, you know what? We would ask, but we're blind. We, we can't." No, they saw what they couldn't see. Right. They saw bigger than what was. They, they were holding on to reality. And when they heard about Jesus, they let go of reality. And their reality became, he can do something about my problem. Amen. And that's, that's who God is in your life today. Here's another question. What did you let go of that you need to grab a hold of again? What did you let go of that you need to grab a hold of again? Uh, we talked in first service about something super spiritual, and that is just simply having fun in life. It's having fun. When was the last time you just did something that was fun? When was the last time you just had fun? The second fruit of the Spirit is what? Is joy. Okay, love and then joy. Then peace, then patience. How many you glad patience comes after joy? Is that good? It's like number four. So I'm just going to work on the first two. I'm going to love people. I'm going to have joy. And then when I get to heaven, I'm like, Jesus, I just didn't have time to work on the patience thing. I know you put that driver behind me in Reno and those two ladies that were, but no, I, I want to have joy. <laughs> Guys, simple thing. When's the last time that you did something that you just enjoy doing that's just fun? That's why I tell you, you know, go camping, go fishing, go do. That. There's a lot of people that chose to go camping this weekend. That You should, right? Uh, the more spiritual people stay at home. Because we had church, but um, yeah, we'll pray for those. But when hope is lost, man, that's the worst, when you lose hope. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you to, to, to look at something maybe you've let go of. Maybe it was a hobby you used to have and life, just got busy. Go back to a hobby. Do something for fun, okay? We'll all be better off for it because you'll come in with a little more of a smile on your face. Right? During our worship time, you do something fun, you're like, hallelujah, right? You'll be VHF, man. And I'll think of some acronyms for that. All um, right. The final challenge for Apostle Paul. let's get into this, Philippians chapter 12, verse 14. Uh, Paul writes this because he knows human nature. Paul's a guy who was not serving God at one point. He thought he was, and then he met Jesus, and everything changed. And and so he's talking to the Philippians about his past life, and he's like, I did all these things for God. I, I didn't do this, and then I did do this, and I did do this, but I didn't do this. I kept the law. He said, I was a good law follower, but I did not know God. I thought I knew God, but I didn't. I was trying to follow all the rules, and and he realized I can't follow all the rules. He met Jesus' life completely changed like many of you. And so here's what he tells this little church in Philippians. He says, not that I've already obtained all this, okay, becoming godly or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In a nutshell, I'm a little bulldog and I'm trying to establish some territory. And I keep walking around the block, but there's something I got to deal with before I can establish my territory. I got to take care of these Dobermans first. And that comes from crawling under their fence, into their territory, giving them a good fight, and then walking away to heal up for a day. And I'm going to come back. I haven't dominated them yet, but I'm close. And Paul's whole attitude is, I'm going to keep going. I press on toward the goal. What what does that mean, pressing on? Pressing on means that there's resistance. He uses the word straining. That means there's resistance. Of course there's resistance. Of course what you're fighting is going to be resistance because it's good and it's of God. You're going to get resistance. Some people think, well, if it was God, it would just be easy. Really? Talk to Jesus about that when you get to heaven and what the cross was like. Usually the things that are worth pursuing are painful. So my encouragement to you today is to not give up, alright? Paul's like, what I was isn't who I am now, I'm different. If I could sum up Paul's life, it would be this. I'm not going back. I'm not going, I'm not going back to what was. I'm gonna keep pursuing God, I'm gonna keep pursuing the things that God has got me to do. So you are a product of your choices, you really are. You're a product of your choice. You're not a product of your environment. You might think that, that's, that's kind of a lame excuse. You are a product of your choices in your environment. Now, some of y'all, you had, a, you had a harder time than I did growing up, because a lot of you didn't grow up in a good Christian home. Growing up in a good Christian home, it set me a lot further ahead, didn't have near the baggage that some of y'all had to go through. But let me tell you something. I, I would, I'm more intrigued by your story than mine. I didn't go to prison. Okay. Some guy goes, I did go to prison. Oh, yeah? Tell me about it. Like you wanna hear their story, right? Yeah. You don't wanna hear Stan's story, it's boring. If my life was a Reader's Digest version, it would be a Reader's Digest version of the Reader's Digest version. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, all right. But here's what I know, is, is y'all have your own story and your story is gonna to touch somebody who's been through what you're facing, all right? Yeah. You gone through addictions, you, I, I, you don't come and talk to me about alcoholism because I don't, I, I, I can't relate to that. Yeah. But there are many of you who have gone through it yeah. and you're the one, I'm gonna say, you know what? I can't help you, but boy, this person can, because they went through and they were like that bulldog, and the Dobermans were like that addiction, it kept coming, but they kept fighting it, and they overcame, and maybe they're still fighting it, but you know what, that's the person you need to talk to, so don't ever think your story disqualifies you guys, don't ever think that, God will use your story for his glory, just like He did the Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul was a mess, I don't think any of you went around killing Christians, right, and that's who God was using here. And Paul's like, forgetting what is behind. I'm going to forget the past. I'm going to go forward. Amen. Does this help anybody? Because I can quit preaching, all right? I can quit preaching.